If there is one word that I think have become a lot more popular or maybe almost been invented the last maybe four years because of some Americans, uh, probably you will know who I'm talking about, but uh, it's the word fake news. How many have heard of fake news? It's like uh, if you don't like something now they, these days, then it's fake news. Uh, then, uh, and of course with that we mean that uh, we don't believe it or that uh, it's kind of twisted. Uh, and in some kind of way, uh, of course, then we are talking about politics. But uh, I think also when it comes to spiritu spirituality, there is also fake news or you could maybe say fake truths. Truths that maybe seem right, but in reality they are not right, they are fake. And I remember some years ago I was um, listening to uh, a preacher in uh, Denmark uh, and he was preaching on this uh, topic of uh, uh, the rapture or when Jesus is coming back and he said something that it, it's really stuck in my mind what he said uh, because what he said was that the common denominator among people who are deceived is that they don't know that they are deceived. That should be quite obvious. I mean, nobody really wakes up a morning and think, oh, I think I, think I will get deceived. I, I will find some wrong teaching and I will uh, kind of, uh, and I, I choose from now on, I, I will kind of choose to be, find someone who can deceive me. I mean, nobody thinks about that. So in some kind of way, it's obvious, of course, if you are deceived, you don't know that you are deceived. But the reason why this kind of stuck in my mind is because suddenly I started to think, well, how do I know that I'm not deceived? I mean, I, I'm like fairly sure that what I believe is, you know, the biblical truth. But in all honesty, if the common denominator among people who are deceived is that they don't know that they are deceived, then if I apply that to me, how could I know that I was not deceived? And in some kind of way, it's maybe a, a scary, uh, scary thought. I mean, how, how do you know that you are not deceived? All of us may maybe have ideas or thoughts about the, maybe in, in this context, about the Bible, about God. Uh, how, how do we know that that is true? For all we know, could we be deceived? In some kind of way, it's may, maybe kind of a, a scary thought, but at the, si at the same time as we will be looking at, the, the Bible actually shows us some very clear ways where we can avoid deception. But in order to avoid being deceived, you need to be aware of the possibility of being deceived. I mean, if, if you kind of just ignore the whole issue and say, no, nah, no, nah, I will never be this. No, no, that cannot happen to me. No, 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 no. I mean, ignorance is a sure way of making yourself an easy target for deceptions. That we see that today when it comes to 
to fake news. I mean, the best, the best way or the best weapon against fake news is actually taking the time to check the facts and see, is it like Donald Trump is saying, or like CNN is saying, or now I should be careful and not get too much into politics because then we will have a heated debate probably. Uh, but, you know, how, how can I know that what CNN is true or false? I have to be aware that I don't trust anything just because they say it. But I take the time and I check it and I find out, is this the truth? And I think some of these things um, is, also applies when it comes to the Bible. Because all of us, we, we have certain truths or something, things we believe. And in, in all honesty, they are things that we have been told. But we haven't really maybe checked if that is really what the Bible say. I mean, I grew up in a... In a quite traditional Pentecostal church and they had certain teachings and I quite naturally just believed what they was teaching me and this was a good church it was not a bad church it was a it was a good church uh, good teaching but I very easily just accepted what I was being told and then I remember there was actually uh, this is just an example but there was a point where I should do some teaching for new saved people when it came to baptism. So I thought, okay, I haven't really been teaching on baptism before. So, so let me try to see in the book of Acts, you know, how, how, how did they do it? So I started in Acts chapter 1 and I went through Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, and I kind of looked and suddenly I realized because in, traditionally in the Pentecostal churches, to get baptized, you need a whole long kind of uh, holiness process. And when they are absolutely sure that you are absolutely saved and that you will not fall back again, then if you pass the test, you can get baptized. I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But, but then suddenly I saw in the book of Acts that when people got saved, they got baptized right away. And I had to start to think, hmm. This doesn't fit with my box. I had a kind of thinking about one issue and suddenly I had to make a decision. Do I just believe what I'm being told or do I believe what the Bible teaches me? And I think this is just one example, but I think all of us, we need to be aware that when it comes to the Bible, we read the Bible through glasses. Not that everybody has glasses, but we have some kind of way of interpreting what we read. And it's very easy to, how to say, to, for things to sneak in there, things that are not necessarily what the Bible says, but things that we just believe because that's what we've been told. Uh, and I think if there is one time where we need to be aware of the danger of deception, I think it is today. Because when we look in the Bible, we see that one of the very clear signs of the end time is deception. That's one of the clear, how to say, when the Bible talks, I mean, the Bible talks about many different signs of the end of the age, 
that there will be a lot of earthquakes, there would be a lot of wars, there would be pestilence. Uh, maybe somebody have heard of coronavirus. It's kind of like a global thing, you know. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know if that is in the Bible or not, but it's kind of the Bible talks about specific time, things that will kind of show us that we are living in the last days. And one of these things is deceptions. And if you look in the notes, I have written uh, three of these places. We don't need to read all of them. Um, for the sake of time, we can maybe read uh, the first one, 1 Timothy 4, 1. There Paul is saying that the Spirit says, uh, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter, latter days, uh, uh, latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirit and doctrines of demons. Uh, let us also read 2 Timothy 4, the last one. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, uh, 3-4. For the time will come when they will no longer endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desire, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You know, if there is one thing that kind of in the time that we are living in is that if people don't like what you say, they will just go to YouTube and they will find some preacher who says exactly what you want and they will go, oh, that's my favorite preacher because he says exactly what I want to hear. You know, that, that's kind of like a dangerous uh, way of deciding what is true and what is not. Just to kind of find what, what is itching the air, what, what sounds good. No, we need to be more thorough than that, than kind of just be looking for the things that feel uh, pleasing to us. Uh, so we see the Bible paints a very clear picture from the, these three scriptures that are in the notes, that the, one of the things that will be a danger in the last days is deception. And honestly, of the different things that the Bible says will be uh, kind of signs of the end times, deception, I think, is one of the worst. I mean, people can die from earthquakes, but you don't go to hell because of earthquakes. People can die in war, but, but you'll, you will not be lost because of war. But deception actually has the power to determine where you will spend your eternity. So deception, spiritually speaking, is a lot more important than, than, than wars or earthquakes or pestilence or uh, these other things that, um, um, that the Bible says will be in the end time. And that's why I believe it's very important for us to, to be awake, to understand deception, to understand how deception works, to understand how we can guard ourselves from deception. Uh, so we will not be an easy prey for the devil when it comes to deception. Because there, if there is one thing, actually deception or, or the deceiver is one of the names that is actually given to the devil in the Bible. Why is he given the name the deceiver? It's because that's what he does. That's kind of the, devil, the devil's game. He, he is a master 
in the art of deceiving people. We see that all the way from the book of, uh, of uh, Genesis. We see that what the devil do is that he comes in and he starts to deceive. What, what, what does it mean to deceive? You know, if the devil, if the devil wants to take Adrian here, he will not come knocking on his door and say, hey, I am the devil. Do you want to worship me? I mean, probably Adrian would be like, <laughs> you got to be kidding. <laughs> and then he would, you know, kick him out or uh, something like that. I mean, the devil knows that will never work. But he is more cunning than that. And that's actually one of the words that it says about the serpent in the, in the, in the Genesis is that he was cunning. He is a deceiver. In other words, when he comes to deceive you, he will not come dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork uh, trying to get you to follow him. No, he will. Paul talks about the devil as an angel of light. What does that mean? That means that he comes as something that looks good. And it's important that we are aware of that. That even the devil can come as an angel of light. And if we are totally ignorant to that, we will very easily fall for his schemes. It's kind of interesting because when we look in Genesis, we actually see the devil's strategy, how he deceives people. Uh, and his tactics have actually not changed that much from the book of Genesis. What does he do? If we take a look in the Genesis, I have written uh, three points where we see how the devil is working. And this is the same way that he will be working, trying to deceive you. The first thing he does is that he exaggerates or questions the limits. So he comes to Eve in Genesis 3, 1, and he says, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every, tree, of every tree in the garden? The devil knew that there was only one tree. But as typical of him, he will exaggerate the limitations and then he will question what God has said. So he maybe comes to young people today and says, is it true that as a Christian you cannot have fun at all? And you go like, uh, well, may maybe I don't should go to, you know, party and uh, do drugs or get drunk or stuff, you know, but I, it's not that I can it's not that I cannot have fun, but he comes and, and he saws a little element of doubt there. Has God indeed said? So for many young people today, maybe the, the devil comes, have God really said that you cannot touch alcohol at all? Is that really, you know, isn't that a little unfair? Is that, isn't that a little too strict limitations? He knows, I mean, and this is not a debate about alcohol, that was just like an example. But he comes and he saws a little doubt in your mind. And then he twists it a little bit, saying to, to Eve, can't you eat of any trees in the garden? God must be unfair. They could eat of all the trees in the garden, it was just one tree. 
that they couldn't eat. But the devil, he will exaggerate the limitation. And then the next thing he will do, when he has sown a little doubt about the limitation, he will downplay the consequences. So we see when we come to verse 4, Genesis 3, 4, he says, Then the serpent, serpent said to the woman, Surely, you will surely not die. The, the, uh, Eve had told the devil, if we eat of that fruit, we will die. And the devil comes, ah, no, you will not die. No, no, look at me, you know, I, I'm alive, you know. And he will come and say, no, no, of course, that's not a sin. No, 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 that's, that's just something. Has God really said that it's wrong to sleep around? Is that really what God has said? Maybe you have misunderstood a little bit, and then he comes and he sows, sows some doubt in your mind. Why? Because he knows that if he came knocking at your door, saying, hey, why don't you get drunk this weekend and sleep around? You will go like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not that stupid. You know, of course, I will know that you know, I shouldn't do that. But he knows what if he can just kind of sow some doubt in your mind, trying to twist the truth a little bit, then slowly you start to sway. And slowly you will accept things that you maybe wouldn't have accepted unless you had been moved a little bit. And then comes a very interesting thing. The last point there. He highlights uh, things that you desire. And this is one thing that the, the people often misunderstand when it comes to Eve's temptation. Eve didn't want to rebel against God. That was not why she was eating of the fruit. I mean, when she was giving the fruit to Adam, she didn't say to Adam, Adam, hey, come on, let's rebel against God and let's eat about the fruit that we are not uh, allowed to eat from. No, there was something about the fruit that she liked. The devil had said that in verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's a good... Is it bad to know good from evil? Isn't that a good thing? What? Yeah, I mean, we should know good from evil. But, you know, the thing that tempted Eve was not that now I'm going to rebel against God. No, she heard, I can be like God. I mean, God is wonderful. God is good. I can know good from evil. Well, that, that sounds like something good. And then suddenly she forgets that God has said, don't do it. And if God had said, don't do it, then she should have understood then I shouldn't do it. No matter how good it looks, if God has said don't do it, I shouldn't do it. But you know, the same way the devil in our culture, he will come and say, well, you know, if, if you just love each other, it's, a, it's okay to sleep together. If, if you just love each other, I mean, love is beautiful, love is good. And then slowly our defense mechanism starts to get down. And then he said, have God really said that you shouldn't, you know, sleep with someone before you get married, or that you shouldn't drink alcohol, or that you, I mean, the things that maybe culture is using to pull 
people away with. And then we start to question, then we start to think, yeah, is, is that really what God says? And I mean, love is good. I mean, that, that is something, if you love the person, then yeah, why, why not? In our hearts, we maybe know that God has said we shouldn't do it, but still, it looks so good, it looks so nice. And then we fall for the same trap that Eve have done when it should be enough just to just that God have said no. That should have been enough. But the thing is, when we, if, if the, day, the devil can get us to entertain the thought, have God really said? Then suddenly he will sway us and he moves us because that's the game of deception. Deception is not telling the lie straight out in front. No, that, that, that's not deception. Deception means that you come and you kind of go the back door, you, you come with maybe several truths in order for people to accept the lie that comes further down the road. And many people, they have the idea that the devil, that he, can, that he can't say something that is true. Oh yes, the devil can very well say something that is true. If he knows that that will make you accept the lie, a greater lie, that is coming further down the road. The devil will, can very easily make you focus maybe on love if he knows that that will lead you to accept a lie that is coming later. A very good example of this is Acts 16 in the notes. Acts 16, 17 and 18. There was a very interesting, Paul and Silas, they have gone to preach the gospel and when they come there, there is a girl possessed by demons. And this girl is following Paul and Silas for several days. And it says in Acts 16, 17 to 18, the girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And the people said, Amen. Or not? Was it true what she said? Were they servants of the Most High God? Was that true? Yes. Were they proclaiming the way of salvation? Yes. Was it the Holy Spirit that was speaking through this lady? No. It was an evil spirit. And you wonder, like, how, why in the world would the devil make this woman say this? The truth is that if they had accepted it, who knows what would have come further down the road. And the devil, he, will, he can very easily say something that is true if he knows that that will lead you to accept a greater lie that comes further down the road. And that's, that's the way of deception. It is presenting something that is maybe almost true or maybe something that is true. If that can sway you to later accept something that is not true. And that's why it's so important for us to understand, to know the Word of God. If we don't know the Word of God, we will very easily get off track. Luckily, and I think that we also need to, to have the Holy Spirit to discern. I don't know why 
this was happening for many days because it says that and, and she did this for many days. But at one point, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit uh, or if it was Paul who suddenly had enough, he turned to her and said, in the name of Jesus, and then the demon left. 2 Corinthians 11, we don't need to read it for the sake of time, but there Paul is saying that no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. We often have the idea that false teachers, that is, people from other religions, that come and say something that is contrary to our faith. But you know, if you have a monk who comes dressed as Dalai Lama and says that there is no heaven or, or hell, that's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's just a wolf. I mean, if, if you come dressed like some Buddhist monk and uh, uh, representing a different religion, you will know right away that's not true. But if a New Age teacher comes with a Bible in one hand, preaching Bible verses, but sneaking in maybe some New Age philosophies, then suddenly it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Because now suddenly you think, ah, oh, he is saying something that is true. Ah, oh, okay, then probably everything else must be correct. I think maybe today, uh, in, in some circles at least, when we see somebody do signs and wonders, we go, oh, wow, did you see those miracles? Oh, he has to be from God. But you know, the devil has no problem with people doing miracles if he knows that, that, that then they will believe the next thing they say. So the devil can easily have somebody comes with some amazing words of knowledge or do some amazing miracles if he knows that if he allows that to happen, then later they will believe everything that preacher says. But I mean, wow, what a preacher. No, the only truth that we have is the Word of God. That is our only truth. No matter how big miracles somebody does, no matter how precise prophecies or words of knowledge, if it is not built, founded on the Word of God, it doesn't matter how amazing it is. Then it's not from God. And Jesus, he actually says that in Matthew 7. We can read that. I think that's on the last page of the notes. Uh, in Matthew 7, uh, 21 to 23, Jesus is saying, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is, in some kind of way, this is a scary passage. This means that there are preachers who can cast out demons, heal the sick, and prophesy, but in reality are not saved. That should disturb your mind a little bit. 
And this is Jesus who is saying that. Jesus is not saying that we should not cast out demons or heal the sick or prophesy. No, no. Jesus is very clear that these things we should do. But at the same time, Jesus also says in Matthew 7 that we should know them by their fruits. What was it that made these people being thrown out? He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, they were living in sin. It doesn't matter how great miracles you are doing. If you live in sin, you know, God doesn't do miracles to validate my lifestyle. God does miracles because he wants to validate his word. That's why he does miracles. It's not a confirmation of my teaching, but it's a validation of his word. And that's why we need to understand when it comes to deception, and that's kind of the, the baseline of what I want to say today. We need to be aware. We, we need to not be ignorant. We need to, to not be deceived just because something looks good. Because just because something looks good doesn't mean that it is from God. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean that it is from God. And when it comes to, to uh, maybe to to teach us because today you can go to YouTube and you can have tons of, I mean, there are so much preaching on YouTube. You could probably do nothing else but to listen to preaching all day long. And it's very easy to go to YouTube and see some preacher do some amazing miracles and go, oh, wow. No, what we need to do is we find out what is the fruit of his ministry? What is the fruit of his life? Because if that person it doesn't live a holy life. It doesn't matter how big miracles that person does. I mean, I, I, I grew up, uh, my father, he was a pastor. And in my time, when I was younger, when preacher come, they would always stay in our house because my father was the pastor. And you know, so I, I, I got to see many preachers on the pulpits and how they were when they were home after the sermon. And you know, maybe this comes like a shock, but you know, not all preachers are very holy. <laughs> I mean, that's just the honest truth. But you know, it doesn't matter how they look on stage if their life doesn't represent what they, what they teach. And we need to not be fascinated with signs and wonders, but we should look at what is the fruit, what is the character, and unless the character aligns with what they are preaching. It doesn't matter how good it looks. So, just to sum up what we have been talking about. Deception is real. And when the devil deceives you, he doesn't come with horns and a pitchfork, but he comes as an angel of light. Why? Because he knows you will not fall. If the, if the devil had come to Eve and say, hey, I'm God's biggest enemy. Do you want to follow me? He would have said, get out of here. But he comes as an angel of light, presenting something, and he knows what you think are good, and then he, use, he focuses on the things that you think is good in order to sway you. And then he can say something that is true as long as you just accept the lie that comes further down. So don't be deceived. In our culture, it's very easy to say, oh, you know, 
what, you know, it's nothing wrong to, to get drunk or, or maybe when it comes to, to gay, gay issues. No, no, if they love each other, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. As long as love is there, it's fine and it sounds good. But in reality, the question is, what does God say? That, that should be, no, if God says no, it's no. If God says yes, okay, good. But if God says no, it doesn't matter how nice it sounds. It doesn't matter how nice it's wrapped. If God says no, it's no. And that should be, how to say, our final authority. Just, I just want to leave you with the three uh, thoughts when it comes to your own life. Try to, to learn how the devil or how maybe the devil has been deceiving in your own life. If there are areas where, where you are maybe accepting things that you know is maybe not exactly true, but you can see that you have been swayed, you, you have moved from what you really believe, ask yourself, are there areas in my life where I've just accepted what others say? It can maybe be from uh, your childhood or whatever. Ask yourself, are there areas in my life where I believe things simply because I have been told and I haven't really checked with the Bible itself? And I would like to back up that challenge with find out what the Bible say. Find out what the Bible says and believe what the Bible says. And the third, make a decision not to be ignorant. Next time we will be looking at four different things, four different things that we can do to make sure that we will not be deceived. We will, because of time, we will, have, we will, will not get into them now. But next time we will be looking at four specific things that you can do that will guard you against deception. One of them is, of course, not to be ignorant, uh, as we already have talked about. But there are three other things that we can do where we can be safe, that we will not be deceived, where we can know that what I believe is the truth, but that we will take next time. Amen? Amen. Amen.